Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcasts. I'm James Miller, journalist, podcaster, author. The Gender Agenda is still available on Amazon. Please go and buy it. And I am delighted to be joined today for this first podcast in a while. We disappeared during uh, conference season, but we're back and I am joined by friend of the podcast, Ian Murray, MP for Edinburgh South. Who's got the biggest... Have you got the biggest majority in, in Scotland? Is that right, Ian? That calcul- Yes. I've heard that. By yeah. some considerable margin. I've heard that. Thanks for reminding everyone. And I am joined again by the Scotsman's Westminster editor, Paris Gutsayanis. Hello. Getting better at saying your name, aren't I? Uh, yes. You've been on this right, so many yeah. times that I'm, I'm getting good at the name. Um, let's start with Ian Murray <laughs> crinkling his Kit Kat wrapper. You get a reputation for being obsessed with Kit Kats. Well, look, because I just thought I'd bring my colleagues a Kit Kat. Other chocolates are available? No, we don't need to. No, 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 no we don't need to. No, 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 no other chocolates no, are available. Kit Kats the are only the one. best Buy James Miller's book and we'll send you a free Kit Kat. No, oh, no that's no, not true. You've got to be careful about all this stuff, man, because we've got Kit Kats because what when when my children interviewed you for this podcast way back in February, you basically tried to buy them with Kit Kats. Bring them with Kit Kats. which was good. But the bizarre thing is... Facebook then sent me lots of adverts with Kit Kats. So like, I haven't been on Facebook talking about Kit Kats, but somehow my phone, you know, the phone's like listen to everything you do and they're like oh, controlling us. Suddenly I was getting loads of Kit Kats. Quite spooky, yeah. I'm probably going to get loads again now, but um, that's all right. As long as I get some free Kit Kats from Mr. Nestle. Well, I've finished mine, so that's fine. I've still got a finger. Let's start with this. been a while since we had that prime minister's questions today uh well it was kind of interesting i thought here's why it's interesting let's start not with jeremy corbyn always though it's delightful to talk about jeremy corbyn but i think we should talk about ian blackford he's a nice man but he didn't have a good day did he everyone at some point in their political career will mix up the words brexit with breakfast it just so happens ian blackford did his in pmqs Mm. i seen him in the tea room afterwards if you want a bit of a funny ditty yeah and I shouted him over and went, Ian, and he came across and I went, looks still we could both do with a little less breakfast. <laughs> harsh, <laughs> harsh. Did he take that well? Or did he punch you in the face? I'm not sure it's what he said to me is completely broadcastable. And I, then I he got told off by the speaker for going on for too long. Well, indeed, yeah. I, just, he, he, I think he needs to, to sort of to wing it more. He needs to, he needs to not go in with, with a script because he seems to be reading a script. And um, there was, you know, Angus Robertson uh, was very good at performing these things. Uh, yeah, he's not asking the wrong questions. I think he's just it's his it, delivery. That's. Uh, I think you're right. It's a performance thing, isn't it? Because mm. Angus Robertson, you know, if you looked at the words, was clearly reading out something that had been written rather mm. than speaking naturally, and yet because he performed it and orated it, it somehow sounded. He, he needs to read uh, it into his bathroom mirror. gravitas rather yeah. than you know just sounding scripted. Whereas Blackford, um, as somebody said to me earlier, is not setting the heather alight. Is that fair to say? Not really mean to him. No, uh, but it's very difficult for somebody to come in. I mean, Angus Robertson was a class act, politically mm-hmm. completely opposite to me in terms of the constitution range, but, but performed very well at PMQs and had a bit of a honeymoon period because at that time Jeremy was really struggling. So the PMQ's opposition came from Angus Robertson at that period of time, and he was asking all the right questions. Yeah. Whereas at, at, at that time Jeremy was reading out questions that had been submitted by the public which is all good and well but at the time where Brexit was at its height 
Mm. It seemed to me Angus was asking the right question. So Ian's got a tough act to follow, but he needs to be his own person at PMQs. And his, his problem is that he doesn't have the benefit, as, as you said. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn's getting better. Mm. Um, you know, the people are saying this was his best performance, which I know, you know, it's, it's yeah, not saying too much, but, you know, he, he is uh, being more nimble on his feet. He's responding mm. better. And, uh, you know, <laughs> is he really? Is Corbyn really getting better? Or is it just that the narrative is switched? I actually think he is getting better, but the difference between now and this time last year is that Jeremy decided to make PMQs about something slightly different, and now he's turned PMQs into the way it's always been. Mm. So he's now playing the PMQ game by quick-witted responses, shouting back at the Prime Minister, picking on the Cabinet, you know, all of those kind of things that... PMQs have been known for for 40 years whereas before he went no nope, not getting involved in any of that yabu politics we're going to do it properly I'm going to read out questions and you're going to answer them and I think he's got he's got the PMQ bandwagon I would say it's a bit unfair of the speaker to give Blackford a bit of a kick in for going on too long because everyone goes on too long at PMQs that's why it goes on so long it's not because of the shouting and the barracking it's because everyone gets up and gives a flipping speech and Corbyn is as guilty as Blackford certainly of going on far too long in his questions it's uh, second time in, in two weeks that uh Blackford has gotten a bit of bother off the uh, off the speaker. What did Blackford do last week? Uh, there, there was uh, he got told off for nipping out of the chamber before, when a debate was still going on. Was yeah. that he, he delivered his, his statement, oh. um, I believe, in response to the PM on Europe because no. he had to rush back up to Glasgow because the SNP conference was going on. Oh, mm-hmm. and the Awkward. speaker didn't just tell him off; he told him off for nearly three minutes. Oof! Have Oof. you seen that? It's nearly three I've minutes on the video. There you go. Sure, my ignorance, but um, um, yeah, hungry by the time they got to the end of that three minutes. <laughs> uh, yes, the bre- when have you mixed up Brexit and breakfast then? Not yet, no. Oh, you're just waiting. Yeah. Every every politician will do it. Yeah, yeah, you're, it you're accepting yeah, it'll it's be all, inevitable. Every time you mention the B word, it's the front of your mind. Any other highlights from PMQs? Well, universal credit's interesting, isn't it? Because the mm-hmm. Jeremy last week mentioned the fifty-five p a minute. Yes to phone up the DWP hotline. Yes. And miraculously, this has now become Theresa May's great policy of yeah. scrapping not just the charges for that line, but other lines. And it's really funny because the DWP fraud line is free if you want to report someone. Is it? But if you want to ask about your universal credit because you've been thrown into significant destitution and don't have two pennies to rub together, 55p a minute. Well, that's because everyone knows there are far more fraudsters than there are claimants. Oh, no, that's not true, is yeah, it? There's hardly any exactly. fraudsters and loads and loads of claimants. Um... Yeah, that's Theresa May responding to Jeremy Corbyn. He's running the show. Um, you, of course, famously said he had dogs or something who were a bit rude about him and said he was a buffoon and a terrible man. Uh, he's running the show. What You're paraphrasing, to be fair. I am, but something like that, wasn't it? You weren't very complimentary. Um, have you changed your mind? Have you now accepted that he is the greatest living politician of our age? Well, some would say. Um, I think the. I, I genuinely think Jeremy deserves all the credit for the general election for losing the general campaign election. for for hitting above expectations it, we didn't i don't know why people still think that labor party won the general election because i'm still sitting on the same side of the chamber which is a bit yes. strange but he deserves all the credit for getting us to where we are he is improving um to be fair whether some people in the party like it or not the party is growing and it is a movement uh, and he is he does seem to be chiming with the mood of the country um but I think, I think Jeremy would admit himself, I'm sure, that he's still got a long way to go to be Prime Minister, um, in the eyes of the public. 
But he is. But, driving... he, but his figures are improving all the time, which is where you need to be. He's driving the agenda, right, Paris? This is remarkable. Like I say, he lost the election, let's be clear. I think yeah, the, the phone line Labour thing... Are driving it. Yeah, I mean, the phone line thing is just the latest example. Um, yeah. And, uh, do you know, I, what struck me uh, in Theresa May's answers today is to, uh, how often she said, you know, I'm going to explain to you why we can't spend money on increasing NHS salaries. I'm going to explain to you why you... Yeah. And there's i don't think there's there's not a lot going on behind that there's there's a lot of finger wagging about the deficit um mm. and despite the fact that she has moved the conversation onto uh the just about managing that actually there's there's no below the surface there's not a lot yeah there actually happening for the just about managing mm. um it depends where you call just about managing i think that's isn't that part of the problem that her idea of just about managing is having to shop at sainsbury's rather than waitrose whereas actually just about managing having to shop at Lidl's rather than Sainsbury's. Or having to have any money to shop well, at all. Yeah, but they're not just about magic. They're, that's well, that's not just about magic. That's something lower down the, the, the scale, if you like. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I wonder if there's an issue there with her definition of just about managing or what she defines as just about managing and what the rest of us... It's not a clearly defined term. There was an interesting dynamic with Rachel Reeves' question today. Yes. When Rachel asked about the energy price cap, I mean, remember Ed Miliband announced this in his 2013 conference uh, speech. Noted Marxists, Ed Noted Marxists, and it was red. All the papers yeah. were red, Ed. You know, here, here here, we go again. Here's here's Russia coming over the hill. Yes. Et cetera, et cetera. Communism's writ large yeah. in the Labour Party. It's now not only Theresa May's policy, but Theresa May stands up to Rachel Reeves' question on the energy price cap and goes, it's great to see the Labour Party are going to support this. Yes. I mean, uh, if I, has irony died? It was a bit weird. Although, my main feeling about that was, Rachel's still quite good. She's Rachel's kind good. of been lost. You know, she was a rising star, and then she, you know, everything's gone wonkazoid in politics. And I thought, oh, actually, she's still got it. She's still maybe somewhere down the line. Could she lead the Labour Party somewhere down the line? I don't know. We were saying this, it was it was Heidi Alexander last week, wasn't it, who had the brilliant question yes. on Brexit? Who, and Heidi's who, who, excellent. Heidi's is very, very good. So all very the all good. the Labour w- women are one by one standing up and uh, yes. showing what they can do. This is true. Meanwhile, we have Jeremy Corbyn, who, as you say, is getting better, who did really well in losing an election. Well done him. Um, I had a man at my door at the weekend who was telling me how how well Labour had done by proving the right wing press wrong because the right wing press had written them off as a party of government. So they proved the right wing press one hundred percent wrong by not being a party of government. Um, so, obviously, Jeremy's done so well, you probably want somebody sort of in the Jeremy Corbyn mould to lead the Scottish Labour Party. Like, say, Richard Leonard. Right, Ian? I would like someone to lead the Scottish Labour Party that leads the Scottish Labour Party. What? <laughs> There's a professional for you. Shut up! What? So that leads a separate, autonomous Scottish Labour Party, which is what we've been fighting for. Oh, are you suggesting Richard Lennon will not do that and he will be I'm, Jeremy I'm, Corbyn's puppet? I'm merely suggesting that the narrative at the moment seems to be whether or not you want a Scottish Labour Party that is the Scottish Labour Party and does things that are autonomous in the UK Labour Party, all, although part of it, an integral part of it, or whether you want a continuation of the UK Labour Party in Scotland. I'm not saying any of those things are bad or good, but I just think that the Scottish people have already made their judgment on what kind of Scottish Labour Party they want, and it's not the latter. Really? Because they all voted for well, they all they all voted for Corbyn in the summer, and he won seven seats. But um, but did they know, vote for Corbyn in Edinburgh? Yeah, the feeling was that the Corbyn surge was what gave you all your all your six friends in Parliament was down to the Corbyn surge. There's two things that fall from that. Yes, Corbyn helped in Scotland a lot. Yeah. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. But a very large proportion of the Labour Corps vote voted Tory for the same reason. 
Okay. So the danger now, or the or the or the conundrum now for the UK and Scottish Labour parties, is how they talk to two different audiences that are diametrically wow. opposed to each other, and that's and that's the challenge. In fact, it's a challenge for the Tories as well at the moment. How do they get young people back while still making sure they keep their base? It's a it's a, it's a political conundrum right across developed economies and democracies at the moment. But there is one person in the Labour Party who knows how to win in a post-referendum world and how to turn a small majority into a big majority. So I would imagine whoever that person might be. Oh, it's you. Uh, presumably everybody's banging down your door to get your advice on how Labour can, can move on, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, there's a queue outside my office constantly. Um, not. Is that for the free Kit Kats? The free so Kit Kats. Yeah, we've got Kit Kats. But because, you know, this, it's great. true. You've got, you've got wisdom. Um, uh, you, or experience, shall we say. Nobody well, has yet up. asked me for my wisdom or experience on how to win elections. Okay. Um, are you disappointed by that? Uh, no, I'm going to keep all this to myself till I bring out the book. It'll be, good. It'll be on Amazon. Buy it. Get a free Kit Kat. Fair enough. And um, your book off the top. Uh... Uh, my book. You might put the gender agenda. Yes, indeed. Um, the um, just just on briefly on the, yeah. the Labour leadership. Yes. Um, the uh, there is some obviously robust reporting uh, is is important. Yes. Uh, and investigating any yes. uh, alleged irreg- and both sides have alleged irregularities about membership and. Stacking the vote in this area or that area. Regularities is a good word. Something, I'll write a column about this. I'll use that. I don't know that anyone has really discussed the fact that Anna Sarwar, if he was elected, mm. would be the first uh, leader of a political party anywhere in the UK from from a minority. Yeah. Uh, big party in Britain, obviously. I think Northern mm. Ireland has had has had one before. Uh, and and some of the language that seems to be creeping in about the race. Is uh, I I find personally troubling without expressing a view either way, on on the leadership. I, uh, yeah, I think. Um, but so I mean, your your gender agenda, yes. your book in all reasonable bookshops. Yes. Um, but you, we're in a position at the moment, taking away all the politics. I'll, I'll take your line, Paris. Let's suck all the politics out of this. The Scottish Labour Party that is on the up electorally. Mm. Uh, is just about after having lost a young dynamic female leader, um, are on the verge of having a two middle-aged men at no, leader and deputy not middle-aged. leader. At leader and deputy leader, if that's the way the election goes, no. and I just I despair at the fact that the Labour Party can't get over this. We should be the party of sorting this out, and mm-hmm. it's a shame that we we lost. Kez, who I thought, I was a huge fan of Kez and I think she was improving all the time and would have been a great First Minister, to take the alternative because it's based on ideology rather than it being about who's best for the job and actually what modern Scotland's about. There's no day epitomises oh. modern Scotland more than a Nassar one. Come really. on, it's not about ideology at all, it's about who can sign up the most new members. Well, That's how you win a, a and, Labour and, leadership election. And the story now. of this leadership election in Scotland, as with any leadership election now, under the current Labour Party rules, is this isn't about winning an argument, this is about who can stack up as many votes by yeah. getting people into the party. And I'm not sure that's a particularly robust, incredible way to elect a leader of any political party. Because because ordinary party members who pay their fifty pounds a year, who mm. pick up the phones, staff the street yeah. stalls, knock on the doors, deliver the leaflets, they're all going, Well what's the point? I can just pay a few quid and vote whenever I fancy. Uh, Richard Leonard is of course English though. So I mean I appreciate <laughs> that's not that's a very sort of odd sort of minority, but it would I don't know, would it be an issue in Scottish politics to have an English leader? 
I mean, well, it well, it shouldn't be. I think first of all, um, he's he's made his life in in Scotland. I think he, he arrived as a university student, mm-hmm. or um, life so it shouldn't be. Um, however, I I I am puzzled by why so little is being made by people whose politics you would expect them to highlight the fact that there's a potential for a big breakthrough in inequality by electing uh, uh, a leader mm. from an un, underrepresented minority. And and that's that's not being discussed more. Mm. Um, and I've seen Anas, Anas Sarwar, again, described as the old guard by a very prominent Guardian columnist today. He's three years older than me. Yeah, He was elected in 2010. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. It's funny when you know, a 38-year-old becomes the old guard. Is he 38? I don't, he's not 48 anyway. He's around the same age as you and me. He's around 40-something. He's young. He's close to 40, but I don't think he's hit the 40 yet. He's young. And to call, call somebody who's not even hit 40 yet the old guard... It's a bit weird, isn't when, it? When, they, when his opponent is much older. Mm. It's a bit odd, isn't it? But there yeah, we go. Never mind. Um, back to PMQ. You started this. Yeah, I, well, this is a couple of things I want to mention at PMQs. One, singing for Syrians. Have you ever sung for a Syrian? I don't really know what that is, but I, I like, I like the sound of it. Was that the question where... Oh, Victoria the, Prentice. Yeah, where she started <laughs> off saying, it's nice to hear my honourable friend back in fine voice. Was yes. that a coughing scenario? Yeah, I did seem to be... I'd just like to remind you all about that hilariously and, terrible I, There's a wonderful dynamic at, at PMQs where someone starts a question and you think they're going one way. So when she said it's nice to hear the Prime Minister back in full voice, we're all starting to, <coughs> we're starting yeah. to cough. And then she goes, let me talk to you about Syria. And you go, oh, <laughs> oh, <it's quite laughs> yeah. I, I happen to look over to um, the, the Prime Minister's of, official spokesman. Oh, yeah. Uh, sat watching and there was sort of a, a puffing of cheeks and an exhaling of breath when, when that question was asked. I don't think that's how they wanted it asked. Oh, I bet there was. Um, we had Teddy Taylor brought up. Ha ha, he used to smoke and everybody had to go outside Portcullis House. And that was the best joke, I think. Brilliant. Which, well, you know, that's a terrible thing. From, I, mean, I think someone's pointed out that Tom Newton Dunn has quite correctly pointed out that um, perhaps that someone needs to write some better jokes for the PM. Um, I just thought that was like, is that the best thing you can say the about PM somebody? The PM's not good at all. I mean, I mean, what you can say, the one thing that has um, all the party leaders, Theresa May, Jeremy Corbyn, Ian Blackford, and even Vince Cable, what ties them all together? They're all dreadful at delivering any kind of funny, and therefore uh. they should stay away from it completely. That is an interesting point. I do think politics lacks humour these days. It certainly does. Um, Scottish referendum was possibly a, a point at which humour began to get sucked yeah. out of politics. Um, although, of course, Alex Salmond is on tour uh, as we speak with his funny show, with his funny jokes. Uh, he was on tour in Strasbourg. He was, you, he was out with you. Was he telling funny jokes, telling funny stories then? I, I didn't really speak to him, to be honest. So been, he wasn't really around very much. Have you been invited onto his... His, uh, his show? I asked him that. I asked him why he didn't extend an invitation to come on to his show. What did he say? Same thing as Ian Blackford said to you about the breakfast thing. Yeah, he wasn't particularly polite. No, that's not very nice, is it? Um, but that's his last soiree in, in Him and Tasmina have both, both going off into the sunset. Both not together, separately. PMQs! Yes, let's talk about the only other Scott on the list. The next leader of the SNP group in Westminster, John McNally. Falkirk hairdresser and person who actually had a bit of cut through. He's a Falkirk hairdresser. He's a hairdresser. Oh, I didn't know that. He was claims in his. And um, you just said he has a bit of cut through. Oh, well done. Uh, <laughs> I, I meant that. I see. There's bringing back well, the comedy to politics. That's I, me. I didn't stay for the whole of PMQs because I had someone to meet. What was oh. his question? Remind, remind the list. It was about uh, Douglas Ross, uh, who oh, was I is see. in a spot of bother for going, going off to away. Barcelona to run the line. Yes. In, uh, um, uh, in a football match, and I thought I thought John McNally asked it 
perfectly well. Uh, I understand he cut out his little red card that he brandished from the front cover of last year's budget. Bit of... <laughs> um, Joe McDonald brandished something red from his pocket at last year's budget as well, didn't he? He did, so that went down well. Um, there was, there was a couple of issues than the... with McNally's question, because A, you shouldn't use props, of course, and the speaker had to make sure that he had told yeah, Douglas yeah. Ross that he was going I, to be I talking about it. I didn't it. know that was a convention. I didn't either, but yeah, the SNP will nod yeah. vociferously if to you're suggest gonna, they did. Um, if you're going to mention someone in the chamber in a derogatory way, you should always tell them first. Yeah, I suppose okay. it's fair. Uh, apparently they, they claimed they had got in touch with him. Mm. We need yes, to come up, we need, you need to ask your listeners to submit stuff to you to come up with a football-type song for an assistant referee who's a member of the Conservative Party and sits at Westminster. I think that could be fun. All right, OK, listeners, there you Without go. using any it. swear words. All right, come up with a football chant, a Douglas Ross-based football chant. Because but he's in Barcelona tonight, isn't he? He is. Arch-unionist, Conservative MP. Yes. Running the line. Normal person has sacked off work. He doesn't have to be at work because there's you know, all this nonsense about a crunch universal credit vote. There's no such thing. It's an opposition to a debate. There probably won't be a vote. If there is, it's not binding, so he doesn't need to be here. He's gone off to a massive football game to be a linesman. Good for him, I say. Am I wrong? Am I that wrong? Will I mean there will obviously be people who will think yeah I'd rather be in at, at the new camp yeah um, people who but, hate yeah, Tories we get upset we get, up, we get upset about second jobs in general when people are advising you know mining companies yeah. and, and and oil drillers and uh, I, I you know it, if we're treating everyone the same then we should say that perhaps he should be in, in the Commons so you're suggesting that MPs should give up their second jobs because Ian Blackford might be interested to hear that. Uh, he's he got, he's got a few well, second jobs. He, he, he could give be. up his second job and still have another four. Well, is John is John McNally still cutting hair? On yes. Is he, really? he puts it in his. Well, then I take it all back. There's, there's some old boy. That's true. That's a good point. This is hilarious. But not in, not in parliamentary time. There are apparently no, some of his old boy customers who insist he is the only person that can cut their hair. So on a Saturday morning, he cuts their hair. So is and then he puts it in his register of interests. He puts cut some old boy's hair for yeah ten pound or something. Isn't uh, that interesting? Because is there a hierarchy then of second not, jobs that are acceptable? But that's not during parliamentary time, of course. Well, everything, every time is parliamentary time. You know, if I went and worked in a bar on a Saturday afternoon, people would go, well, oh, wow. second job, and you'd go, well, it's not right. parliamentary. But if I advise Black Rock, it'd be second job. There's not, not going to be any votes on a Saturday well, morning, let's but, be honest. So, I mean, there's a difference there. Would that be? I mean, if he were to do week, you know, he does week. He does the, the Scottish Premiership at weekends, um, uh, or indeed Fridays, yeah. uh, and that would be, you know, I think. Would there be fewer objections to that? Yeah, because you're not missing a vote. The, the, the he problem is apparently is he's missing a vote. The trouble is it's a pointless vote. He is apparently. I mean, this is a point a pointless vote um, as you describe it. But uh, uh, he is apparently in the running to referee at the World Cup next year, um, which will come before recess, I think, in it June. Will be in June, yeah. Where we might be getting to a lot, the pointy end of a lot of Brexit legislation, ah, when yeah. votes will be quite important. Uh, I wonder whether that the attitude be will problem. be the same. Yeah, well, that clearly he can't. Well, he misses lots of offside, so missing a few votes is hardly, you know. Does he? Is he a bad referee? I can't remember him running the line in the games I've been at. Well, don't accuse him of missing lots of offsides. Then he might be really good at getting offsides. As long as he's really harsh on Olympiakos, my uh, my family grew up down the road from Panathinaikos. <laughs> right, listen, let's um, wind things up with uh, I love your questions. I love your questions. <laughs> I love your questions. <laughs> Right, the question left over from ages ago was set by Martin Whitfield, who is a bit obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. And his it was question, about Shakespeare last time. Wasn't it? it was. That was the question before the right, last okay. recess. And then he came on for this Sorry recess and set the question of if you were casting a production of The Wizard of Oz using only politicians, 
who would you cast as Dorothy? That is a fantastic question. From I think it was Dorothy. Favorite. It might have been something. It might have been the wizard, but I'm pretty sure it was Dorothy. Who would you cast as Dorothy? Oh, I like that. Well, give us an answer then. Um, I'm going to go with um, Emma Lule Buck. Why? I just think she'd be great. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> Anybody you think would be great as Dorothy Parrish? Uh, someone who goes on a long journey and vanquishes her foes to, 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 to reach a goal. Would that be the next leader of the Labour Party? Perhaps Yvette Cooper? I don't know. Oh, oh. Um, that was very deep. That is very deep. Unfortunately, of course, Angela Rayner is the next leader of the Labour Party. So, or her. Bad luck. Um, your question. Ian, have you got a question for next week? Next week, the kids are back. The are kids they? are back. That's why I brought the kid, um, kids in. Yes, the kids are back and they will be interviewing Kirsty Blackman, deputy leader of the SNP group of the SNP. For now, maybe by next week she'll be the leader if okay. they decide oh, to get rid man. of Brexit, breakfast, mix-up man Ian Blackford. My don't. question would be to Kirsty then. Yes. Right if there, Ian Blackford was a biscuit, which biscuit would he be? <laughs> well, <laughs> Top class political banter. What biscuit would Ian Blackford be? Well, I don't know. A wagon wheel? It's quite round. Now, if she listens to this podcast, if she... What do you mean, if? if, if she's if. suffering from insomnia and listens to the podcast, she now knows the answer. Well, she? she's on it nearly as much as you are, uh, but not quite. Um, okay, we will cast Ian Blackford as a biscuit next week. Angus Robinson would be a Viennese, of course. Oh, very uh, good. We never even you're got, good. We never He's got, good at uh, this. We never got time to talk about how Brexit Britain has relighted uh, in the three German speakers uh, being thrown out of Parliament. Don't tell me this country's not gone more racist. Natasha oh. Engel, Gisela Stewart, Angus Robertson, all German speakers, all left oh, at the last election. Where's, the where's, where's Vera Hobhouse from? Oh, 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 I don't know. Are you saying that just because she's got a funny name? She does speak a bit German, doesn't she? She's got a bit of an accent. I'm definitely not saying that. But, um, she's got I'm, a bit of an accent. I'm, I'm, I'm certain she, she clearly has some, some continental heritage somewhere. So. Yeah, well, you continental. I, su- I suspect you it was continental, German. Your know. continental radar's gone yeah. off, has it? Um... Okay. So, I hope you enjoyed this racist bigoted <laughs> podcast. Well, we'll back next week. She speaks a bit. <laughs> She's got an accent. That's not racist. I'm not suggesting that makes her a better or worse person or anything. Um, Just one last plug. I hope everybody enjoyed their Kit Kat. Yes, I've, st- I've, I've still got, got, still got a finger. You've got three fingers. Yeah, okay. My fingers are all gone. Uh, okay. Um, let's finish here and say uh, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, I am at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am politicalyeti at gmail.com on the email my website is james-miller.com and my book is the gender agenda uh get in touch like subscribe all that sort of stuff and tune in next week for another of political yeti's politics podcasts thank you